0: You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. Want to worship good? I don't know about you, but I needed that today. To get refilled with God's presence, to get refilled with His perspective uh, for what's going on in my life and what's going on around us. Um, if you have your Bibles, open those up this morning to, um, we're going to look in a couple places, but turn to, find First John chapter 2. It's at the very back of your Bible. Right before the book of Revelation, there's a couple of epistles, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 1st John chapter 2. And we're going to continue in the series that I began a couple of weeks ago titled Trigger Warning. And and we in this series have been endeavoring to look at uh, a few of the issues that are going on in our nation right now. We've been praying for our country that God would just begin to move just like we were singing and praying again this morning. And as we've been looking at this series, we've been looking at uh, several different issues that are, that are really emotionally and, and somewhat politically charged that are going on in our country right now, not for the reason to stir us up emotionally or to offend. I'm not trying to bring up topics that are uncomfortable uh, on purpose, except that I can't apologize that they're uncomfortable. This is just the conversation that's going on in our country right now, and we as the church have to engage in that conversation. We as a church have to ask ourselves, if we're called to be followers of Jesus Christ, where is Jesus leading us in this situation, in this time, and how do we follow Him well? We've talked about, is this the end? And, and we've looked at some different signs, some specific signs about what would kind of mark the, 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 the second return of Christ. And I, I hope you got to listen to that message. It's, it's on our podcast. It'll be available on Facebook Live. And so definitely make yourself aware of that. Then the, the, the second thing that we talked about last week, we, we talked about racism, and we, talk, we viewed a documentary of a friend of ours named Andrew Chalmers who actually went to the site where George Floyd was killed. And one of the things that's not being covered in the news is there's revival happening there every single night. The gospel is being shared, and there's powerful things that God is doing in the conversation of racial reconciliation. And if we in the church are going to responsibly invest in that conversation, we have to acknowledge something. This is what we talked about last week. Racism is wrong. Just pretty clear. Racism is sinful. And here's the thing. If we're going to see racial reconciliation in our country, it's not going to come through political means primarily. It's going to come through the house of God. We looked at a scripture last week where it says that the message in the ministry of reconciliation has been given to us. God wanted to reconcile himself with man, and so he sent his son Jesus, and that's the only way that we can be reconciled with God. But the ministry of Jesus Christ spreads abroad to all of mankind to bring reconciliation together. And so listen, if there's any institution on the planet that has the authority to bring reconciliation, it's the church. We have the gospel, and we have the message. If we're talking about the domain of love and reconciliation, that's our domain, amen? And so we should not vacate that, that conversation. We should have it responsibly, and we should have it without fear. And so we talked about that last week. So this week what I want to talk about is journalism. And the fact that journalism is all but dead in this postmodern world that we're living in now. Now I'll just tell you this, I, I, before I jump in, um, you know, we titled this series Trigger Warning because, um, you know, these issues as we talk about them, they can just kind of make you angry. They, they just come with a little bit of emotion. I'll just tell you, whenever I was preparing this week's message, I just got triggered all over again, just going through some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about today. Because I want to talk about, in, in the last election cycle that we went through, in, back in um, 2016, one of the things that became a really hot topic was fake news. Y'all remember that? And, we, and, 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 and one of the things that we became aware of was the fact that fake news is happening, and then we have this Russia thing going on for the last four years, and then there's this impeachment and all these different things. And, and one of the things that we were introduced to was just a new term, fake news, and that's all become a very normal part of our day-to-day existence. Amen? Well, this morning I want to talk about a different term that's kind of really affecting the news that you're taking in right now. It's called gaslighting. And if you've never heard this term, raise your hand if you have heard this term, and you kind of know what that means. Okay, great. So... A little bit of information for, for most of us here today. So here's the definition of gaslighting. I just googled this, so this is the definition you'd get if you google this on your phone. Gaslighting is a form of intimidation and psychological abuse, some, sometimes called ambient abuse, where false information is presented to the victim, making them doubt their own memory and quite often their sanity. The Where this term came from, if you'll go ahead and show that next slide, was from a movie called Gaslight back in the 1940s. And basically, the premise of this movie—I've never seen seen the whole thing. I watched a couple of clips this week, and um, it was black and white. It was before my time, and not interested. But (laughs) it was kind of like uh, growing up. My mom and I, and and our family, we used to watch Alfred Hitchcock movies. Everybody, anybody ever watched Alfred Hitchcock? Yeah. So this is kind of an Alfred Hitchcock type-ish movie. It's kind of a suspense thriller. And the whole premise of the movie is the main, the the lead guy in the in the the movie—he's an international criminal, and he marries this woman. And she doesn't know anything about his, his life and what he does. And so she finds a letter one day and she kind of begins to read the letter and incriminates him in somebody's murder. And so he kind of gets bored with her and she's kind of onto him. And so he begins to gaslight her and drive her crazy to the point where she would possibly commit suicide. And so one of the things that he does in the movie is, back, then, back in those days they didn't have LED lights, they had gas lights, right? They had l- gas lanterns. And so he would kind of turn down the lanterns to where the light would dim in the house and she'd be like, man, is it dark in here? would be like, no not dark in here. And he would do some things like that. He would, she, she would recall, you remember whenever I, I showed you that letter the other day? I was like, yeah, you were reading that letter to me and there was nothing in your hand. It was, it was really crazy. And he began to accuse her and, and, and begin to drive her to the place of insanity. Okay? And here's the thing about gaslighting is you see this happening in our media at this point in history and it's driving me nuts. It's almost, it is intentional, okay? And so whenever you flip on the news and you're like, we're going to cover, I'll give you three examples, okay, today of gaslighting in the media here in just a second. But it's like you turn on the news and you're like, man, that looks like those are riots and that's bad. And one of the things that you'll hear on the news is like, those aren't riots. That's not happening. That's peaceful protest, right? So let me give you three real quick examples of gaslighting in the media. So go, go ahead and go to the next slide. Thank you, Julie. Um, here's the first one. Those aren't riots, those are protests. So if you'll, uh, I want you to watch, don't start it yet, I want you to watch this video clip, make sure we have sound, because it's real quick. But this is a video clip, let me set it up, MSNBC, and this is kind of the first couple of nights that the riots started right after George Floyd's death. And there were fires being set, you, you guys know, you all saw the media, right? And the thing that was, it's almost comical, if, if, it, if, you, if you're not going to get angry, you're just going to have to laugh, because it's so absurd. But you saw this over and over, and so it wasn't just this media outlet. There were outlet after outlet after outlet saying, you know, there's some peaceful protests going on. There's a little bit of unrest, but there's some peaceful protests going on. So what you're going to see in this video is a guy saying that, and there's, there's a building on fire right behind him. Okay, so if you'll go ahead and play this. It is not, generally speaking, unruly. Okay. Now, here's the thing. is The first couple of times you see that, it's like, come on. But then the more and more this happens, you, it starts to bug you to the point where you're going, am I the only one that thinks this way? That is the point of gaslighting, to where it makes you question what you're seeing, if it's reality or if it's true, so that you begin to question your sanity. Here's a second example of, of, uh, of gaslighting in the media that I want to show you. Black Lives Matter protests don't spread COVID 19, but protesting the lockdown does spread COVID 19. And so I want you, I'm going to get, show you three headlines, and I just Googled this, okay? And so I just yanked the first three headlines that were actually in the, in the, uh, in the feed. And so if you'll go to that first one, here's, here's what this says. This is, on, this is from theguardian.com on May 18th, and this was whenever everybody kind of started getting sick of being at home and were like, hey, we want to go back to work, and the people started having protests on the courthouse steps in their different cities. And this was the headline, U.S. lockdown protests may help spread, may have spread COVID-19 widely. Okay, now let's fast forward. This is one month later, June 18th, same exact news outlet, theguardian.com. Why protests aren't as dangerous for spreading coronavirus. So they completely flipped the narrative from, hey, don't get out and go protest because you could get somebody sick whenever whenever people were protesting the lockdown. But whenever protests, Black Lives Matter protests begin to happen, it's like, hey, that really doesn't spread coronavirus. Now, go to the last one. This is funny to me. This one's kind of comical because this is just a few weeks ago, right before the 4th of July. And now it's not protests that help spread, that are, that are you know, spreading coronavirus. It's just parties. Your backyard party, don't get together on the 4th of July. Don't burn some burgers with your buddies, okay? Because you could get somebody sick. And so this narrative of, hey, what they're doing is wrong, but what they're doing is not wrong, when they're doing the same exact thing, will make you go nuts. And it's happening, and those are just a few, but it's happening over and over and over again in our media. Here's the last example that i give you. I'm just, here's the quote. A lower COVID-19 death rate is nothing to celebrate. Now that's not my headline, that's actually the headline of a news article. A lower COVID-19 death rate is nothing to celebrate. I I don't know about you, but I've been paying pretty close attention to what's going on in our country because it's pretty nuts. And I thought that the whole point of what we were doing was to, to help slow the spread so that more and more people don't die. Now, if you go to the go actually click into this article, here's a graph that's in the article, and you notice the cases start spiking um, right around the 4th of July and the death rate continues to go down. Now this, the whole point of the article, I want to be fair, okay, the whole point of the opinion piece was that deaths are a lagging indicator and eventually everybody's going to die. That was kind of the, it was kind of a henny penny type of story. Um, but here's the thing is it's like you you just see that headline and it makes you question, it's like, well I thought I thought helping people not die of coronavirus was a good thing. Is that worth celebrating or is it not? Now to be fair, this happens on all sides, okay? And, and this is just a funny, okay, so don't get offended. But we, I was uh, listening to um, uh, President Trump. This was several months back, and somebody had just gotten um, released from his cabinet, and he was, he was doing what President Trump does. And, and, and as they got released from his cabinet, it's like, they are the worst person in the entire planet right now because they aren't on my staff anymore. Now, so in light of that, just as a funny, this is uh, something we got my dad for Father's Day. You might have seen this mug, but it's, it's kind of a, a Trump-esque type of narrative. You're a really, really great dad. The best, really terrific, just fantastic. Other dads, losers. They're all losers. Total disasters. Everyone agrees, believe me. That's gaslighting. It's where you, you make this, this statement, this blanket statement that's not true, so that you begin to support what it is that you're saying. So my point in saying that is, everybody is doing it. And it's not good. It's not good for our country. It's not good for the conversation. All it does is erode confidence. If you are paying attention to the news at this moment in our nation's history, there's probably some results that are happening in your, in your life right now. You're probably, you may be exhausted, confused, and ready to disengage from the conversation. That's typically where I find myself. I'm just like, I'm so uninterested in hearing any more. And I'll go a couple days and then I'll tune back in, right? You may be angry... You may be angry at the media and lost all, they have lost all credibility with you. I don't know about you, but that's kind of where I am. It's like, I don't believe anything I read, hardly. It's like you can find three or four articles and then you can find three or four articles that say the exact same, just exact opposite of what you're reading. It's really difficult to understand who it is that we're supposed to believe in this moment. Or maybe this is the last one. You may believe everything you hear. And listen, if you believe everything that you hear in the media right now, you will go nuts. Because one day they're going to say one thing and the other the next day. Uh, just, then that's what we've seen throughout the COVID lockdowns. Is one day they're saying mass, the next day they're saying no. Then they're saying yes again and it drives you nuts. Now listen, here's the reason why I want to talk about this today. I gave you some examples of gaslighting. And here's the only point of bringing this up. Is not to try to pull you in one, one direction or another as far as what you think about the media or even politically. It is this, where is Jesus in this issue? This is important. If you don't know who to believe and who to listen to, where you're getting your information from, that's a bad place to be as a populace. This is a, a, an epidemic in, our, in the journalism of our country and all over the world in this moment. And so we as Christians need to understand the reality of what's going on and find where Jesus is in this discussion. And so I want you to look at... I had you turn to 1 John. Keep your place there. We'll get there in just a second. But I want you to look at Mark chapter 10. Where is Jesus on the issue of gaslighting? And here's the thing, here's the bottom line about gaslighting, it's just deception. It's deceitful. We we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Jesus coming back and what will be some of the signs. And one of the things that Jesus said over and over and over again to his disciples when they were asking, What how will we know? He said, Do not allow yourself to be deceived. Luke 2, 21, 8 says, and he said, see that you are not led astray. And so here's the thing, as we talk about this, it is your responsibility. And it is my responsibility to make sure that I am not deceived. It's not my responsibility to tell you, to, to, to change what CNN is saying on, on, on the news. It's not my responsibility to change what Fox is saying on the news. That I have no control about that. But I can control whether I am deceived into believing a lie or not. You're the one who has control over that. And we're going to talk about how to do that today. So look at, uh, look at this verse before we get to Mark chapter 10. If we're going to do this, we're going to have to be a little bit more like the Bereans. This is what Acts chapter 17 verse 10 says. Paul was talking about... Um, his missionary journeys, and he was talking about a, uh, basically an assassination attempt. They, they tried to kill Paul, and so they, they ushered him out of the city in the middle of the night, and he went to Berea. And as he was going over to um, these Bereans, he talks about sharing the gospel with them, and he commends them for how they actually receive the information and the news about Jesus to them. This is what These are actually Jews. They're not they're not Gentiles. He's talking to fellow Jews about the Messiah, and he's, he starts telling them about Jesus, and he commends them for how they receive this news. He says, Now these Berean Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Here's what basically happened whenever Paul shared the gospel with these Berean Jews, is they heard it, They got excited because they had heard that their Messiah had come, and then they searched the Scriptures to see if it was true. They began to check it out for themselves. Listen, if you're going to make it through this moment in history and not be deceived, you're going to have to be less gullible. You're going to have to dig a little bit deeper into the news, and you're going to actually have to dig a lot deeper into the Word of God. that that responsibility is nobody else's but mine for me. That responsibility is nobody else's for you but yours. You have to take it seriously and go, you know what, if I don't want to be deceived, it's up to me. And I'm going to do the work to make sure that I'm getting the correct information. And guess what? You will be well equipped to walk in this moment. So look at Mark chapter 10. This is just a reminder from Jesus, okay, before we get into how to do this, okay? Okay. Here's a reminder from Jesus in Mark chapter 10, and this is what the reminder is in a nutshell. He says, he's fixing to tell us that the rulers of this world are looking for subjects to serve their purposes. Do not be fooled. Okay? Verse 42 says, And Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. "...but it shall not be so among you." And he's talking about the people of God. Okay, He's not talking about for, for how it should be. He's not talking about a political party. He's not talking about a government. He's talking about how it should be in the kingdom. "...but it should not be so among you. But whoever will be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's who we are, and that's how we're supposed to walk in the kingdom perspective of how we manage and rule over other people who are under our authority. But notice what he said first. Remember this. The rulers of the Gentile, they have authority over you, and they seek to lord it over you. See, understand this. Every political party and every movement that there is is looking for subjects to serve their cause. And you have to be aware of that. That's one of the things that Jesus is pointing out. And he's trying to bring this, uh, this contrast to that and go, listen, that's not how it operates in my Father's kingdom. If you want to be great and you want to be a leader in the house of God, you actually have to become a servant. You have to regard yourself as least. But listen, that's not the way it works in the world. And you have to be aware of that. What people are trying to um, uh, do as they try to pull you into their cause in this world is find somebody who's going to serve and be their subjects for their propaganda, for their reality, and for their truth. So, here's the moral of what I believe I want you to see in what Jesus is saying today. Be careful. Be careful what you hit your wagon to. I was having a conversation recently, uh, just I think with Pastor Bo, and we were just talking about politics and everything that was going on, and we were talking about this issue. And I just have this burden from the Lord, and just, I feel like something that just some prophetic leading on how to kind of navigate through this is like, listen, if you are not careful what bus you get on politically right now, you're going to end up down a couple of streets from where you intended to be. I mean, here. whenever you begin to see all of the riots take place, it's like all the Black Lives Matter stuff, which, listen, we talked about this last week. Racism is wrong, and we should be in the middle of that conversation. But the Black Lives Matter organization, political organization, I'm telling you, I, cannot get on, I can't get on that platform. There's something wrong politically with what they're trying to institute. And if all we're going to say is black people are, have the same and they're, they're equal and they're valuable as every other person, white people, Mexican, then I can get on that bandwagon every single day. But if what we're saying is that we need to support abortion, that we need to go down all these values that, that conflict with my values as a Christian, not going to do it. And so my point is this, you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful with what bandwagon you're getting on or you'll end up in a place that you didn't expect to be. Now look at 1 John chapter, chapter 2. And here's the thing. If, if I'm going to put this imperative on us as Christians, and I'm, I, I really unapologi- unapologetically am, putting this imperative on you, it's your job to not be deceived, then how do we go about doing that? And 1 John is a really great blueprint. 1 John chapter 2 is a really great blueprint for how to not step into deception. And what John's fixing a, as he's writing this epistle, he's actually writing this epistle to the church in Ephesus, and he's actually addressing this very issue. He's like, hey, be careful that you're not deceived. And let me give you a couple things that will help you not be deceived. And so here's the first one look at verse 18. It says, children. It is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. So let me just pause for a second and leave that scripture there. We'll get back to it. What John is basically saying is there are some people that are anti. He's not talking about capital A antichrist. Okay? He's talking about little a. He's talking about there are people that are anti the gospel and anti the message of Christ that were among us and now they've fractured off and they're actually going in a different direction than what Jesus intended for us to go. And so he's talking about how to not get deceived and go off tangent and go rogue from the gospel of Jesus Christ. From where Jesus intended to be, and he says this very next verse, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. Now, stop there. You, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you have surrendered your life to Him, and you are born again and regenerated, and have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, listen to me. You have spiritual perception. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops to get it. You do have to learn how to use it and grow in it. But you have knowledge is the word that he uses there. If you look up that Greek word, it means to be able to perceive something at a deeper level, at a spiritual level. The ability to perceive, to see, to hear, to use your spiritual senses to know what's going on. Listen, do not buy into the lie that only special people can hear the voice of God. Do not buy into the deception that only some actually have some insight into what God is doing. You have that ability. That's what what the Word of God just told you. You have the the ability to perceive. Now listen, I know that sometimes we have to grow in that. and I've, I've had this conversation so many times over the years with congregants. I've had this conversation with my own kids. You have to learn how to exercise that muscle of spiritual perception. Of knowing what is in the mind of God, but it is there inside of you. Every single one of us in this room has a bicep. Go ahead. You can do it. (laughs) Every single one of us has a bicep. Some are stronger than others. But listen, you have the capability of utilizing that muscle, growing that muscle, making that muscle work on your behalf better, don't you? Every single one of us has that ability. It's no different than your spiritual perception of what the Lord is doing in and around you. Most of you know my, my son McCoy. He's blind. He can't see. And there's, there's this, this weird reality that he lives with that he can just hear really well. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you the story one day. I was, he was, at this time, he was at the junior high. And he was in class, and I was supposed to go pick him up for something. We were going somewhere, either a doctor's appointment or lunch. And I was walking down the, the, the hall, and I had some hard sole shoes on. And um, I was walking down the hall, and he was in his classroom, and the door was open. And he told his teacher, before I even got to the door, he's like, there's my dad. He could hear the gate of my walk and my footsteps and know that I was coming. Now, listen, here's this misunderstanding. This is the reason I want, you to, I want you to understand this today. There's this misunderstanding that some of us have that McCoy can hear better than everybody else in the room, and he can't. He can't hear better than you. He just knows how to utilize his ears better. Now listen, this is the thing that you're gonna have to do if you wanna do your part and do your work. You're gonna have to endeavor to know the heart of God more. Ask him, he will tell you. And you're gonna get there's gonna be this confusing things where your your thoughts get jumbled up with God's word, and and then there's some some condemning stuff from the enemy in your past and, and carrying some of your bondage that you're gonna have to sort through. That's part of the process. But listen, if you're not going to exercise, you will not get the benefit of the strength. And what what Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples, and what John is trying to get across to the church in Ephesus is, listen, this is our job. Nobody's going to do it for you. One of these days, you as a Christian are going to have to make a decision. Am I going to just listen to what everybody else says, or am I going to hear God for myself and get into his word and hear him for my family? Hear Him for me, because that is your responsibility. Here's the second thing. Look at verse 21. That was, you all have perception. Here is, you have a relationship with the truth. Verse 21 says, I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no, one, no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, little A. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Don't, don't miss what Jesus said or what John said at the very beginning of that, 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 that verse that we read. He's writing this to you and I so that you won't make any mistake about this. You have the truth inside of you. If you're a Christian, listen, you have a relationship with truth. You know truth has a name? It's Jesus. That is his name. Jesus declared in his ministry, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father, and that's what John is trying to illuminate here. Nobody gets a relationship with the Father, comes into a reality of truth without Jesus. And so if you want to know what truth is, know Jesus. That is the place. It's like, where do I go to get get a perspective on truth where it's like, man, I'm going to go read the the news. I'm not not saying this today so that you'll stick your head in the sand and disengage from the conversation. Quite the opposite. We cannot do that in this moment. But whenever you're reading the news and you're availing yourself to what's going on on TV and you're scrolling through social media, you're going to have to have some discernment. You're going to have to have the ability in a mature way to take that to God and go, God, what should I think about this? It's like you see the video of George Floyd being killed, and I'm just telling you, you should go to that that place of going, God, how should I feel about this? We talked a lot about that last week. How should this impact my life? And I believe God has something to say about that. Whenever we start talking about elections and whenever we start talking about uh, coronavirus and and locking down and closing your business, it's like you should get some information from the the systems of this world, but you better walk in discernment and start asking the Lord, how should I feel about this? How should I engage in my life? Because if you allow the world to tell you what to do on a day-to-day basis, you're going to go nuts. They're terrible at telling us how to live. And Jesus is the only one who is interested in seeing you live life and life to the full. Here's the last one. Look at verse 26. Not only do you have a relationship with the truth, but you have a personal guide that's been given to you. I love this part. Verse 26 says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. So he tells you why he's writing this. It is to combat deception. But the anointing that you received from him, from Jesus, abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and it is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Now this is what John is trying to, to talk to you and I about in this, in this part He talks about how we have this anointing. And what he's talking about is, the word anointing means literally to be smeared. Okay, And so if you think about this in the Old Testament, whenever they would anoint a king, they would take a flask of oil and they would smear it. They would actually break it a lot of times and just pour it over their head. But whenever they poured it over their head, they would smear it over their face and body. And that idea of anointing in the New Testament is always connected with the Spirit of God, with the Holy Spirit that Jesus, on the day of Pentecost, broke something open in the heavens, and he anointed his church. He, He smeared us with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And what John is trying to remind us of is, hey, listen, remember what Jesus said, that you actually have the anointing, and you don't need anybody to teach you. Now, that's not to say that you don't need to learn from other people, because that's a biblical principle, and that's not what he's saying. What he is saying is, Everything that you need for life and godliness, the Holy Spirit will lead you into. Everything that you need to be a good husband to your wife, the Holy Spirit will teach you that. Everything that you need to be a responsible citizen in Moore County, the Holy Spirit will show you how to do that. There is this thing that you and I have access to. Not a thing, maybe a person... His name is the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus said. I want you to to remember the, the words of Jesus. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. See, Jesus said the Holy Spirit is your guide. He is your teacher. And so listen, if you find yourself, as you scroll through all of the media in social media, as you, as you watch the news and as you kind of avail yourself to all the information that's being, that is bombarding us, the Holy Spirit is capable of leading you through that and not allowing you to be deceived. That's my faith. If you want to know how I do it, I, I dig into God's Word. I dig into the news. I don't, I don't stick my, my head in the sand. I don't want to be disengaged from what's going on in our world because guess what? It affects my life and it affects yours. We should be engaged, but listen, I've got to have the Holy Spirit walking with me step by step, showing me the truth, explaining to me where Jesus is. You know, as we talked about beginning, at the beginning of this sermon series, that is the whole goal of this, is to look at the stuff that's going on in our world right now and to find Jesus, because I've so many times just kind of in the place of prayer buried my head in my hands and just gone, God, what is going on? Where are you? How is this supposed to affect my life? How should I live my day-to-day? Does this change anything for me? And if it does, what? Listen, that's how literally I do it on a day-to-day basis. And I, I, I'm, I, take, I have missteps some days, and some days I depend on Jory and not Jesus and all those different dynamics of growing in my faith. But listen, if you want to know how you're not going to fall for a lie, this is how. John does an excellent job of explaining that we have a relationship with the truth. He lives inside of us, and the Holy Spirit is given to us to guide, to navigate through the sea of voices that are going on all around us right now. I want to ask you to stand with me this, this morning. I'm going to invite the worship team to go ahead and come on up. And as you're standing, if you'll get, some, get your communion elements ready, we're going to take communion, and I want to pray for something today. You need communion. If you'll just raise your hand, we have some ushers that'll give you some. There's some on this side over here, guys. You know, as we take communion today, one of the things that Jesus <clears throat> said whenever he, whenever we take this, he said, "Remember." There's this, there's this thing of remembrance that we do whenever we take communion that we're remembering what Jesus did on the cross. We're remembering the atonement that he gave us through his blood, but also how his body was broken for our healing, for our provision, for everything that we go through on a day-to-day basis. And as I was talking to you today about remembering what Jesus said to his disciples, and then we read through John, if you and I are going to make it through this day and age, everything that we see on the news and on social media, and we're not going to get deceived, we're going to have to utilize the Holy Spirit as our guide. Not only are we going to have to utilize the Holy Spirit as our guide, we're going to have to dig into God's Word a little bit deeper. This is nobody else's responsibility but yours. And so what I want to do today as we take communion is I want to just ask the Holy Spirit, and I want you to personally do this for you, but I want to just ask the Holy Spirit that He would come and He would teach us, that He would give us discernment, that we would know the truth. That we could spot a phony whenever we see a phony. We could spot a lie whenever we hear a lie. This is what Jesus said about his disciples. He said, my sheep know my voice. And there's this sensitivity in our hearts where we've got to get to where it's like, I know the character and the nature of God. That whenever I hear something completely opposite from it, I can spot it a mile away. That's not the heart of God. And so I want to ask you to just bow your head. And I want you to pray this prayer for yourself. With me. Holy Spirit, will you guide me? Will you teach me truth? And would you break off every deception of this world? Now, Father, I just want to pray for everybody that's here today. And I ask in the name of Jesus that you would give us a discernment, God. That you would help us to know who you are, where you are, and where you're going. Father, I just pray right now, if there's anybody who's here today that does not know you as their Savior, as their Lord, God, I pray that you would bring conviction upon their heart, that they would begin to hunger and to thirst for the answer of their condition in sin. And Lord, that you would show them the way to Jesus. Because Jesus, we believe you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. In Jesus' name. Amen.